If you are a writer, how do you write? In complete quiet in a room by yourself? Outside in the sunshine, warm breeze? A crowded bar? I guess it kind of depends on the story that you are inspired to put to paper. On this special preview episode of Lilac Wine, the podcast, I will share my inspirations. For me, it's music. But also, none of this may have happened if it weren't for the encouragement of a teacher I had in junior high. It was the summer of 1917. As America prepares to shed her blood on a distant shore, two lonely people are brought together by fate, torn apart by war, consecrated by wine, lilac wine. This is Lilac Wine, the podcast. Each episode features a chapter from the novel, a rough draft if you will, read by the author Bruce Janney. New chapters will be written throughout the life of this podcast until the novel is complete. Join the discussion, make suggestions at lilacwinenovel.com. Stay tuned after the reading for further information about the chapter you just heard. And now, Lilac Wine. Back in the early 90s, I was in Borders Books and Music. In fact, I spent a lot of time in that store. Miss it, actually. They used to have listening stations where you could listen to CDs, and they often had a staff pick. I saw the cover of an album by a band I'd never heard of before. The album cover featured a sepia-toned old man with a beard placed there by some staff member for that week. Not sure who it was, but I always liked sampling music I didn't know. I slipped the worn headphones on and pressed play, and everything changed. It was one song in particular that spoke to me at that time. The song was Painted My Name. The band was Over the Rhine. I bought the album after listening to the whole thing in Borders that day some 26 years ago. Needless to say, I became a fan. Since then, I've followed the band. I have seen them many times in concert. I have every album, all on CD, and I've actually been repurchasing them on vinyl. I recently made my first white wine, like my main character, actually. I I make wine and beer. So does Abelia, who makes her own wine. And I named my wine Lifelong Fling, after a song from their Ohio album, which came out in 2003. Today, the band is made up basically of a married couple, Karen Burquist and Linford Detweiler. They are uber-talented, multi-instrumentalists. Their songs are folksy, literate, soulful. Karen Burquist, hands down, is one of the best American vocalists around. I, I can't say enough about this band. It is because of them that I have this story of lilac wine swooshing around in my head, wanting to get out. And it goes back to when I was first teaching. On a long commute, I, you know, I passed the time listening to music. I had a bunch of CDs in the car, and I placed that CD that I heard that day in Borders into the car stereo. The CD is called Patience. And I heard a song on that album 
differently, even though I had heard it many, many times before. As a history teacher, I must have been teaching about World War I. I don't know, my memory is a little bit vague, but as that song played in the car that day, my mind conjured up images of no man's land, of smoke curling in the distance of war, and of a lone protagonist, a gun uncomfortably held in his arms, looking out over a field of destruction. I had the seed of a story. I listened to the song again and again, and there it was, the beginning of this venture that I'm going on right here, the beginning of Lilac Wine. The song is called Flanders Fields, a song, of course, about World War I, a beautiful song, but with one heartbreaking single line repeated only twice. Here it is. This is the core of Lilac Wine, the song that started it all, Flanders Fields by Over the Rhine. Special thanks to Over the Rhine and Blind Ambition Management for giving me permission to play that song for you. Over the Rhine music has been played for hours during my writing sessions, and it all started with that song, conjuring images of war like those seen in Robert's dreams. The sky to the east was just beginning to lighten as the first of the artillery exploded overhead. As the shells found their marks, blasts revealed the silhouetted ruins of a small village in the distance. Except for a lone chimney standing defiantly against the barrage, rubble and fallen walls were all that remained, nothing but piles of brick and branchless trees. The men were packed tightly in crudely dug trenches, not more than three feet deep. Several hundred yards of wheat pocketed here and there by large black craters lay between them and the decimated village. In the darkness, disrupted by sporadic flashes of light, those craters looked deep 
and endless, like mouths waiting to swallow up the unsuspecting. Some men looked up to the sky, struggling vainly to discern the stars that tried to shine beyond the smoke that drifted overhead. Some curled face down in the dirt, clutching their rifles tightly to their chests. Others, with eyes closed, repeated prayers over and over. Each man contemplated what was to occur in his own way. Most thought about home, though, of loved ones they hoped to see once again. The artillery was answered with thunderous replies from the other side. Chunks of earth hurled through the air with each explosion, sending dirt and rock upon the helmets of those who sat in the trembling ground awaiting their orders. The pebbles striking the metal of the helmets were not unlike the sound of hailstones pelting a roof during a heavy storm. The back-and-forth exchange continued for some time. The explosions were deafening. Screams would occasionally punctuate a burst. Men cupped their ears with their palms, not knowing if one of the whistles was going to bring instant death from the sky. That was the worst of it, not knowing where the shells were going to fall and knowing full well that there was nothing that could be done. The sun gradually peeked over the horizon and the men were told to get ready. An officer's whistle cut through the clamor as the detonations faded and a momentary silence fell over the land. Although the artillery was now quiet, the explosions lingered in the ears of every man who now stood from his position and stepped up over the edge of the trench. Their bayonets caught the rising sun as they slowly walked forward through the wheat, the equipment in their backpacks gently clanging with each step. Suddenly, a deep rumbling sound came from both sides of the line. Large tanks rolled out of the woods. Like mechanized haystacks, the tanks led the men across the field, opening fire on the helpless village. Machine guns started to clatter overhead, providing cover for the soldiers while they ascended to the ruins. As they approached, men walked out of the rubble with arms held in the air. They were quickly apprehended by the soldiers and told with the barrels of their rifles to lie on the ground. Here and there, soldiers of a different sort followed closely behind the tanks. They wore dark blue overcoats, the tips of their weapons glowing with flame. Their eyes searched the rubble for shadowed holes and remnants of cellars that once held fine French wine and wintered grain preserved from the last harvest, but were now home to enemy soldiers. Rouse Coleman, screamed one into a cellar just before pulling the trigger. Orange jets of flame shot from the tip, roaring like a waterfall. The air shimmered in the heat as rock and brick caught fire. Screams peaked for a moment from within the bowels of the darkness and then went silent. Another roar and a man engulfed in flames stumbled from a foxhole, staggering over the debris, screaming in terror. He tripped over the remains of a wall and fell, motionless among the bricks and charred timber, smoldering quietly like so much in the village. A second wave followed closely behind as more troops poured into the area. The air smelled of gunpowder and smoke, burning hair and flesh. Lilac Wine, Chapter 9 
It all may have started with the song Flanders Fields, but there are other songs from Over the Rhine that have made their mark on the novel. I Want You to Be My Love is basically the love theme of the novel. Whenever I have to write scenes involving my two main characters, Robert and Abelia, I play that song a few times. There's also Drunkard's Prayer to a beautiful song. My two main characters spend a lot of time drinking homemade wine and listening to crackling discs on a Victrola there on the porch and a heartbreakingly beautiful song called Etc. Whatever. The song I played before writing a scene when a particular nightmare binds Robert and Abelia together in a real yet extremely vulnerable way. Don't speak Words come out your eyes with this nightmare like thorns you hold these secrets to your breast your slender fingers closing into fists there are other songs too from other artists who have inspired Lilac Wine. I could actually assign a song, a chapter, really, which is kind of interesting. Like having a compilation album that goes along with the novel. I don't know if that's ever been done before, but uh, that's, uh, that's something that I think would be really cool. There's the song Lilac Wine covered by Jeff Buckley and his other song, Lover, You Should Have Come Over played those songs a lot too there's the dave matthews band with steady as we go uh, i played moon river the andy williams version last request by paolo natini that song got heavy rotation in my writing sessions uh, there's sade too and sarah mclaughlin in fact if you go to lilacwinenovel.com i have put together a spotify playlist featuring much of this music there are also links to Over the Rhine performances on YouTube. Check it out. Uh, if you ever get a chance to see Over the Rhine in concert, don't miss that chance. They are great. Go to their website, uh, support their music. You can get more information about them by going directly to overtherhine.com and uh, buy music from, from them. They are independent artists, and it's always best to support independent artists 
at the source. The band Over the Rhine has their origins in the neighborhood of Cincinnati called Over the Rhine. Abelia, my main character, has her origins there as well. I'll talk more about that when we get to that chapter. So, what inspires you? Creativity is such a fluid thing, and it's a communal thing, in my opinion. We are constantly inspired by the art around us. The particular attachments to art that touched us in one way or another has many tentacles of influence in our lives. That is one of the most unique human things, I think. That creativity needs to be fostered, and uh, long before Over the Rhine inspired a story and inspired people who are very real in my head, there was a real person who provided encouragement to me during a time in my life where I didn't have a center, really. That was junior high for me. I went to a school in Mount Prospect, Illinois called River Trails Junior High. And for the most part, junior high was not a good time for me. And it, it wasn't a good time for most of the people who had to deal with me in junior high. But it was then that I discovered that I loved to write. I wrote poems a little bit, but really liked writing stories. And there was one teacher that I had in eighth grade who probably encouraged me more than any other teacher, any other person at that time. He read my stories, he praised my stories, nothing else in junior high mattered more than that. And I have to thank Michael Gibbler, my eighth grade English teacher for that encouragement. He wrote my yearbook that year, and I, I still have it, and it's right here. He wrote, Bruce, I have always wanted something strange in the corner of my room, and this year, I got you. To a great writer, keep those cards and letters coming. M. Gibbler. I never kept those cards and letters coming. I graduated in 1982, and he left the school and moved downstate. Never saw him again. But I never stopped writing. And Mr. Gibbler, if you are listening to this, I want to thank you for those words of encouragement, for reading the words of a 13-year-old boy who was unsure of himself, who struggled in school at that time. As a teacher myself, we often go through our lives not knowing what impact, if any, we have had on the lives of our students. But I have never forgotten you for those words. And perhaps it is because of those words and the encouragement that you gave that I have embarked on this journey inspired by you and like a snowball that gathers speed and girth as it makes its way down a hill. Uh, I have internalized and processed the creative energy of other artists. From Over the Rhine to Jeff Buckley and others, creativity and art are not solely produced by an individual. They are a collection of thoughts, memories, inspirations, encouragements that have accumulated over time. We are the sum. And lilac wine is a part of me to be sure, but it wouldn't be what it is without the artistic collective that has made me who I am today. 
On the next episode of Lilac Wine, the podcast, we are jumping into the novel. Join me as I read the prologue. Chapter one drops on January 1st, 2019. In the meantime, go to lilacwinenovel.com. I have set up a discussion board, a place to share ideas and inspirations. Let's talk writing, shall we? Let's talk creativity. Let's talk lilac wine. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I am Bruce Janu. This podcast is produced by Bell Book and Camera Productions. Visit bellbookcamera.com for more information. Lilac Wine is written and produced by me, Bruce David Janu. All content is copyrighted by the author and cannot be used without expressed written permission. The intro voiceover was provided by my colleague and friend, Rachel Vissing. We work together on another podcast at the school where we both work. That podcast is We Are E.G., and tells the stories of students and staff at our suburban high school. More information about that podcast can be found at weareg.org. A special thanks to Linford Detweiler and Karen Burquist for graciously allowing me to incorporate their music into this podcast. As we approach the holiday season, check out Over the Rhine's holiday music. Their most recent album is a collection of holiday songs. That album is called Blood Oranges in the Snow. The band likes to call it a reality Christmas, and it is the perfect antidote to the sugary sweet musical fare that we are most offered this time of the year. Check them out at OverTheRhine.com. Please visit Lilac Wine Novel to join the discussion, ask me questions, make comments, The purpose of Lilac Wine, the podcast, is to discuss the creative process. Your comments and suggestions are greatly appreciated. Thank you for listening.